During the early morning hours, a thunderstorm passed through the vast open plains of San Antonio, New Mexico, clearing up shortly before 5 a.m. and leaving the desert climate cooler than usual. In a modest adobe home situated just north of town on a cattle ranch, nine-year-old Jose Padillo was enjoying a cup of hot chocolate. His father, Faustino, had just left and was heading to his job at the Bosque del Apache National Wildlife Refuge on the other side of town. It was, by all accounts, a typical Monday morning. Through the darkness, an incredible flash of light rapidly swept across the barren southwestern landscape. Seeing this change to daylight, Jose's mother, Inez, ran to peek through the front door. Suddenly, the intense light violently pierced through every opening of the Padilla's home, followed by an overwhelming crackling sound and growing waves of heat. Jose immediately climbed onto the dining room table as hot wind flooded in and consumed their house. At the same time, just miles away, a prayer of fear was being spoken to the new dawn. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds, whispered Robert Oppenheimer as he witnessed the power of his creation at the Trinity test site. It was July 16th, 1945, and only 28 miles away from the Padilla's ranch, the first atomic bomb had just torn its way into history. This moment marked a turning point in the capabilities and consequences of the human mind. From this point on, our way of life and warfare was no longer bound by the potential of fire and gas, but by a new, seemingly limitless source of pure energy. Within a few short years, humans would quickly develop the very real option to decide for or against the complete annihilation of all known life in the universe, or at least all they knew. Today we'll be discussing the Trinity UFO crash, which, for decades, managed to slip through the cracks of widespread awareness in the UFO community. Taking place in mid-August 1945, if true, this is easily one of the most significant UFO cases in modern history. As for why, if you're a casual UFO enthusiast, you should know the Trinity UFO crash predates the assumptions of pop culture. It actually cooperates with our current understanding of the UFO phenomenon. For the avid UFO dweeb, like myself, there are a couple of important things to pay attention to. First, the Trinity UFO crash took place almost two full years before the summer of 1947. This means it occurred before the term flying saucer went viral and before Roswell became a household name. Second, at the time of the event, there was no culture at all around UFOs. There was no stereotypes of close encounters with little green men and no popular narrative of government cover-ups. For context, this was just 17 days before the end of World War II. Americans were at their height of pride, patriotism, and belief in the government. For the average American, alongside our Russian comrades, we had just kicked the Nazis' asses, liberated concentration camps, and freed Europe from the expansion of the Third Reich. Further, we were quickly concentrating our efforts on retribution for, for, for Pearl Harbor with Japan. So why on earth would you not trust the government? For a primary source today, we'll be using the 2021 book, Trinity, The Best Kept Secret by Jacques Vallée and Paola Harris. There are a lot of references, nuances, notes, and details covered in this book that we simply do not have the time or the ability to cover for you in an audio format. So if you take any interest in this episode, I would highly encourage you to go out and grab yourself a copy. In addition, 
Our supporting resources will be listed in this episode's article, which can be found on our website, blackcat.report, or in the show's descriptions links wherever you are listening to this. As for anything else that can't be found between the book and the show notes, it's probably an honest mistake, and you are more than welcome to send corrections or hate mail to haters at blackcat.report. I didn't see you there. Something big is going on here. From hunting ghosts to Bigfoot, paranormal, UFOs, true crime, and more. We won't just be spouting articles. I was researching for your entertainment. Beginning of a new world. <laughs> the best squawk you'll ever fucking eat. True story. It's basically like one day you walk outside and you see that the ants are playing with matches. This, this is, is the Black Cat Report. See you on the other side. It's been one month since Jose's mom, Inez, saw the atomic bomb test as she peeked out her front door permanently losing sight in her eye. Ten days since President Truman announced dropping an atomic bomb on Hiroshima and seven since Nagasaki. Combined, these two bombs killed an estimated 129 to 226,000 people. They caused countless injuries and led to severe health effects for generations. It's August 16th, 1945. Ramingo Baca, a.k.a. Remy, was greeted like most mornings by Jose riding up on his horse. Remy got his horse saddled up and they set off for the day. At only seven years old, Remy was already working hard with Jose at the Padilla Ranch. Some child labor right there. Yeah. Back in those days, that's why you had children. It was it was a different time. So I mean we're we're getting to that, but like these one of the most important things to understand in this story, um, because it, it Jose and Remy become uh, two of the main witnesses for this entire story. And I think, you know, if we look at a seven and a nine-year-old today, we would definitely question them in terms of, like, a UFO story. But you have to keep in mind... Well, it depends. I'd trust these, some farm kids. You trust some farm kids, but, like, these kids, I'm just going to go ahead and say, and I'm not supporting child labor in the least, but I'm going to go ahead and say they're, like, they do... 30 times more work than any other adult that I know today. I mean, like, and that's, but they're that's so normal. Kids, like, There's some those, badasses. There's, like, <laughs> true farming families that, like, rely yeah. on their crops and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's, like, totally normal because those like kids are the ones that end children. up owning the farm later on. So it's, like, yeah. it's yeah, and, So, and, and, I mean, like, I can't speak for all families, but they don't get treated like slaves, you know? They just get treated like, uh-huh. hey, you're learning how to do this so you can continue doing it until you're yeah you eat you contribute yeah i mean to be fair like those seven and eight year old kids they're not gonna wake up the next day feeling like they got hit by a freight train but once (laughs) they hit 32 33 those adults yeah Yeah. those adults are at 32 you start having kids yep (laughs) (laughs) or actually start early at 25 so that by the time you're 32 yeah they're like at least six and can ride a horse I'm not gonna lie like we went out for Joey's birthday and I did air hockey it's been two days and I'm still sore dude my shoulder is killing me I have been like downing Tylenol like it's fucking vitamin C in the winter like I've been fucking going nuts over here yeah and I have to take pills so that my body doesn't hurt so 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 if, if pain directly correlated to trust you are the most trustworthy person here yeah. Mm-hmm. Easy. My body hates itself. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's funny, but so sad. It's hey, so sad that it's funny. Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know what also sucks? 
It was a crucial time for the Padillas and their ranch. <laughs> they were trying to start a new herd with some cattle they had imported from Spain. Jose was their only child not serving in the war. Granted, everybody, this was at the very tail end and, like, in some ways, the height of World War II, right? Right. Um, Jose, you know, nine-year-old Jose, the only kid not serving in the war at the time on the ranch. Um, too young for that. He was somehow too young for war. Luckily. Um, and they still needed the income from Faustino's work at the refuge. So if you all remember at the very beginning of this, Jose, um, Jose's father, Faustino, had just taken off for the refuge. It was like barely five in the morning, right? And like he had just took off. So they were kind of in this weird transition period where they had had these, um, these specialty cattle called white face cattle that were imported from Spain. And they were trying to breed them create a larger herd and eventually they would be able to you know have a full herd of them on the ranch make a living with the ranch but during this awkward transition time Faustino still needed to go off to work so nine-year-old Jose Padilla was like he was the only one that could hold it down basically so it was like super crucial for the family like they're putting all of their hopes and dreams into this land that they're renting from the Bureau of Land Management in order to start a ranch. So, so much in terms of responsibilities so fell like, directly on his shoulders. It's like in those movies where the white dad like, will go down to his son and be like, all right, champ, you got to take care of mom while I'm gone. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> but he actually fucking means it. He's like, here's a gun, a shovel, you're going to ride a horse. Um, and yeah, okay, well... Remember your favorite toys? Rattles? Well, if you see a lizard doing that, run the fuck away from it. No, shoot it, and I'm going to teach yeah. you how to skin it later. Yeah. And then you're going to cook it, and that's going to be gonna dinner. Cook it. God damn it. Also, how were they able to grow anything? Um, wasn't there, like, a, a lot of radiation? Not yet. This was So this was only one month after... And I can't stress this enough for context. Like, this was exactly to the day, one month after the first atomic bomb test in history. It was it was quite literally happened on July 16th, the Trinity, like, bomb test. That was the okay, that was the go-ahead, that was everything for, like, we got the atomic bomb, we're ready to proceed with dropping them on Japan. The first country, first nation, first everything, where it's like, they did it. They blew it up. And it was only 28 miles from the Badia's Ranch. Which, like, what's fucking insane to me is um, with, like, uh, Jacques Vallée and Paulo Harris, like, they go into it in the book, but they went to the Trinity test site and they actually, like, looked at um, where the bomb was tested, right? And so um, they specifically set it up and blew it up so that it would have the smallest more or less the smallest radius possible when they tested the bomb at Trinity, right near the Padilla's ranch. Um, if they would have done what they did later at Japan, where they drop it out of a plane and based off of altitude and like timing, they blow it up at a certain level, it has a much, much, much wider impact. So they tried to keep it more or less contained. Um, and that's also why, like at the beginning, I mentioned like the rain had just cleared up. Um, the when they tested the nuclear weapon or the first atomic weapon, I should say, um, they had to wait. They were going. They were originally going to blow this fucking thing up at like four or four thirty in the morning, 
while people were like home and sleeping and shit like within like a 20 30 mile radius but it had rained or there had been a thunderstorm coming through and the scientists there were like uh if this goes up into the atmosphere which they never had seen a mushroom cloud or anything before that this was the first they were like if this does what we think it does and rips a hole in the atmosphere when it goes off all of that well all of that nuclear fallout was going to be carried in those rain clouds and just proceed to go over new mexico and like the southwest so they had to wait until it cleared and it cleared just before five something in the morning right after faustino had like left for work and while everybody was getting up in the morning and shit so like this was they had no clue yet so there wasn't radiation there. There would be later, but there was not at the time. Funny thing that the they first. that they use there to see if there's radiation on old paintings to see if they're actually fake or real. That's fucking nuts. Yeah, because that's the what was it? something about how if there's radiation atoms on it, it's fake. If it was produced before the first nucle- the first uh, atom bomb went off, and they could tell if it's real or not. So all fiesta wear is fake. Yes. Does anybody else remember that? No. 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 What? Okay. I what think is it was Fiesta Wear. Fiesta Wear, the like the Target like ceramic plates that you get from Target that are like painted a bunch of cool colors and shit like that. I mean, everybody had them in their twenties. I don't give a fuck who you are. If I you are in your twenties or thirties right now, oh yeah, in my twenties first... I could afford to shop at Target. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I go to Walmart. Look, if you have five dollars like and you go into Target, you come yeah. out with a hundred dollar like bill. Everyone else in this economy, I shop at Walmart. I think they had it at Walmart too. Okay. Anyways, look up Fiesta Wear. The red Fiesta Wear was radioactive. It was like a controversy for a period of time. Swear to God. It was like the paint, the paint that they were using in it was radioactive. That's good. So I'm assuming it was all fake. And that's exactly what Joey just told us. Wow. He said it verbatim. I don't ever think, it's vintage now, apparently. Fiesta wear? Yeah. Yeah, Are we looking this up? Yeah, there's vintage. It's vintage fiesta wear. Don't fucking tell me this. I don't want to feel this old right now. Well, I guess we're vintage. God damn it. So if you're in your 30s, (laughs) you're vintage. I'm baby. I'm 29. God damn it. God damn it. Yeah, you're the baby here. God damn it. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I remember seeing them, but I I have any. But they were super common. They were like the cheapest plates you could buy at the time. You like shop. it was like $10 plate sets, you know. I just saw Fiesta Wear plate sets for $2,300. If you are a member of the U.S. government armed services and you are trying to stop a terrorist organization, you need to go buy all of the plates from Goodwill and Salvation Army. This episode is brought to you by Goodwill and Salvation (laughs) Army. (laughs) Continuing on. (laughs) Back to the episode. Um... Yeah, so uh, super crucial time for the Padillas um, and their ranch. Like I said, they had just gotten a new herd of cattle that was imported from Spain. Um, uh, Jose's father, Faustino, had imported it. They were trying to breed them, raise a large herd. If I remember correctly, they only had about 25 cows at the time. Um, Not a lot. A lot if you don't own any cows. That's quite a lot of cows to have 25 cows. If you're trying to have a herd for meat production, for like, you know, feeding people and stuff... Not a lot of cows, you know. What would be a, a lot of cows? More than uh, twenty six. No, I don't know. I don't oh, know shit about it. I mean, <laughs> if you've ever been out to the west, like I mean, you've been out to the west when you like see those huge fields. And yeah. There's like what? a thousand cows. I'm from yeah. The sometimes. 
Well, yeah, but I mean, you're from like, like Midwest, West, so Midwest. Mm. Like if you go out and drive through like Kansas or like the. I feel like I always see like maybe ten cows. I don't see a lot of cows. I mean, if you there's yeah. like thousand cows sometimes, but, or like Idaho or Nevada where they it's, where they have just like huge amounts yeah. of cows in there, and there's so many, and it's like cool. This is also in 1945 before mega farms were invented. So we don't, like, now if you're driving out in the Midwest um, or in the Southwest or wherever, where, wherever you might be in cattle country, and you see those, like, giant, like, tin buildings off in the, off in the distance, there's not cows stacked shoulder to shoulder inside of them that are hidden perfectly from public view. This is, like, back in the day when, like, every cow was free range. So like free the cow. I guess if you're looking <laughs> at a free range cow place, it's not gonna be that many because it's no, it's uh, it's very yeah. expensive per capita they, to have cows. At least from they from my are. time in like North Dakota, and they can kill you. Yeah, they'll fuck you up. But like, you're more likely to get killed by a cow than you are by a shark. True story. Huh. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> having grown up in the Midwest, I agree with this. Um, anyways. Back to the story. So, uh, I think we all kind of like covered this, but just to kind of break it down a little bit more in detail and to keep uh, UFO Twitter a little bit more happy, um, all the chores, the responsibilities, um, things like keeping the herd count, right? So, hauling hay in the winter, maintaining the fence across the 80,000 acre ranch, they all fell directly onto the boys' shoulders. So, again, 80,000 acres in the desert southwest canyons think of clint eastwood think of like shootouts and shit like that rattlesnakes bobcats cat bobs everything are out there trying to get you right and it's just a nine-year-old seven-year-old out on their horses taking care of this shit after spending most of the day checking on the fence they began to ride along the hills of the canyons occasionally stopping so jose could use his binoculars to count the cattle while remy took notes after finishing their tally they had to check on one of the cows she was pregnant, and Faustina was worried someone might take the calf before it could be branded. This is like a very real threat. Was that another rancher, a thief, whoever, might see this pregnant cow and, like, grab the calf before the Faustinos, or before um, the Padillas get a chance to, like, brand it, take it, brand it for themselves, then, more or less, that would be their cow, right? It'd be very hard to prove. It's like, well, why did they got their brand on it, you know? Um, this is a big deal when they're trying to grow their herd these cows also worth a lot they were imported anyways um (laughs) they were super fancy cows but that's what made this more high risk with the area too rough for their horses the boys had to set them up to graze and then they went off on foot they were slowed down by a passing thunderstorm they eventually found the cow and her newborn calf another storm came in so they had to take shelter they ended up eating lunch underneath a cliff which Remy and the reports listed as tortillas and apples. So fast forward a little bit. It's around 4 or 5 p.m. They were able to head back and check on the calf. All of a sudden, without warning, there was a loud bang. The ground began to shake. Their minds immediately went back to their experience just a month earlier. After the initial shock passed, they looked around. A few canyons over, they spotted a column of smoke rising into the sky. Realizing this was different than last time, they decided to head over on foot. This is a very important thing, which, like, they kind of... They somewhat bring up in the book, somewhat don't bring up in the book. It's it's very scattered, um, but... 
it's impossible for me to think that one month, and I'm totally just injecting my own thought here, but this is one month to the day from when Jose's mom, Inez, was just blinded by looking out her front door in the morning. Jose had to climb underneath his kitchen table as, like, heat literally just came in, flooding into the house. Like, these kids have to have PTSD. Like, I know there's some hard asses, but who the hell wouldn't? Like, it's like five-something in the morning. It's pitch black. Your mom just lost her vision. Like, uh, Remy, in another part in the book, like, talks about how he had gotten, like, shaken out of his bed and his mom was trying to convince him that it was a really bad thunderstorm. Like, this fucked with both of them. And so, like, they heard, like, a similar just kind of, like, boom, and the ground started shaking. And they fucking froze. It's only been a month since this. And, like, they froze up for a while. And then eventually they were like, wait a second, there's no light. There's no this. There's no heat wave. There's no blah, 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 blah. And they start to kind of, like, calm down from it. And then at that point they're like, wait, what the fuck is that? And they see smoke coming up from one of the canyons, like, on the property. So, again, like... Realizing this was different than the last time, they decided to head over on foot. Upon reaching the peak of the last canyon, they found the air filled with intense dust and smoke. With concern for the cause, they headed into it. Almost as soon as they started pushing forward, they found a rough, hundred-foot-wide graded road cut one foot deep into the hillside. So these kids just got up onto the top of the canyon and started going down. Right, or they got up on you know the very top of the hillside, start going down into the canyon. Right when they start going down, they find a hundred foot wide section just cut into the hill, like one foot down. Just everything, all the brush, all the plants, all the rocks, everything. It looks like somebody was preparing to put in a road, and they just like cut a section of the earth out. These kids again ride through here every fucking day of their life like this is their jobs this is their home you know and they're just like what the what the fuck is going on right now and so they start following this one foot deep like section this graded road that they called it like into the rocky hillside they start following it down towards the smoke and the dust the source of it so they start walking down it going deeper and deeper into the canyon The smoke started worsening and the road started radiating a heat that was burning their feet as they were walking on it. At some point, at least according to Remy, it got too overwhelming and they had to climb back out and away from the smoke. They were like literally coughing, there was dust in their eyes, smoke in their eyes, their feet were burning. Again, seven and nine year old, seven and ten year old kid, they were just like, what the fuck? And they were like, they have to climb out. I mean, that's what's great about kids at that age, that they're very curious and for them this is like an adventure you know hell yeah this is amazing like there's something new going on out of their everyday lives Mm -hmm. you know and because they're kids you know Mm -hmm. yeah an adult would look at them and be like "Mm, not going that far that's too much (laughs) yeah fuck that i'm gonna be sore tomorrow so i'm i gotta go back (laughs) yeah Yeah. i gotta get some asper cream on my (laughs) knees (laughs) um yeah (laughs) um At least according to Remy, how the story then goes from here is, uh, after catching his breath, Remy asks if this might be a downed plane. Jose gets worried and thinking, if this is a plane crash, people might be injured and need help. At that point, they both decided to keep going. What a hero. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. and this is something that continues through with like Jose's motivation from Little from kings. Remy's angle, from Jose's angle. Like it immediately was just like people are in need of help. We need to keep going, right? Um, so they try again, but this time before the smoke uh, forces them to retreat, they're able to make it far enough to see there is something resting at the end of this path. This hundred foot wide, one foot deep section carved into the mountain they finally get close enough to see that there is something and then they have to back the fuck out of there because again smoke dust you have to think like this is like borderline wildfire kind of a situation like all these different types of southwestern plants are just bellowing smoke towards them at this point and again right after a thunderstorm so whatever the hell caused all these plants to catch on fire had to be really hot (laughs) to catch this southern this southwestern section of the united states on fire like after it rained, after everything was like nourished, right? So, climb back out and they go back in. On their third try, with the air finally clearing, Jose pulls out his binoculars and the boys quickly begin taking turns. In front of them was a large, gray, avocado shaped craft, later to be measured at roughly 30 feet wide and 14 feet high, with a massive 4 by 9 foot hole in the side of it. Product of the day. Speaking of avocados, today's product of the day is Ingles guac. The best guac you'll ever fucking eat. Back to the story. Through the hole in the craft, they started to see movement. There were three beings with light gray skin running back and forth, quote, squealing in pain, end quote. They were three feet tall with pear-shaped heads larger than their chest. Their eyes looked like large, horizontal teardrops with small holes for their nose and their mouth and tiny ears. They had the posture of a fire ant standing with needle-thin arms that reached down to their knees and only four fingers on each hand. They seemed to glide side to side, moving, quote, like they willed themselves from one place to another. As these creatures came into view, Jose and Remy were fixated, frozen in place, not by some strange power, but by the sheer impact of what they were witnessing and the challenge it made on their perception. The once chaos of the burning plants around them, the wind in the trees and the brush, the wildlife, everything fell silent. The only sound external to themselves was a constant high-pitched scream akin to a newborn baby or the guttural cry of a rabbit in pain. This is the Black Cat Report. Thanks for listening so far. You can find us on all major streaming platforms. You can also find us online at blackcat.report. And now we're back to the second part of the podcast. They felt bad for them. And it was a... From reading through the mixtures of of their interviews, it's 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 kind of confusing because they're like we don't know them we don't da 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 but we felt like they were little kids but they were adults and we could see that they were in pain and we wanted to help them but we were so freaked out by what we were witnessing like it was like again there was i can't emphasize this there was no cultural context for what they were seeing this was the first time essentially in in their world anybody else is like we're witnessing something like this so like how do you process that? Yeah, they couldn't yeah. just be like, you know, those are aliens. They wouldn't even have had the no, no, the notion of that word yet. 
Yeah, it's like, so. go drop a Lamborghini off in the middle of New York in the 1840s. What? Everybody's just not going to understand what the hell they're looking at, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. It's it's within the human potential to make the Lamborghini, but there might be a little bit of work between there and then when that happens. Yeah. But, like, what the fuck are you seeing? It's kind of beautiful in a way because they're not, they're not automatically, like, judging and being scared because... Like you said, they've never heard of this before, so it's the first time they're seeing something different than yeah. the way they look like. So it's kind of like very innocent. Exactly. You know, like we want to help them because they're obviously in a lot of pain. Yeah. And but it they're still strangers and st- yeah. stranger danger type of thing for them because their kids and their mom probably talks to them about not talking to strangers it's like (laughs) like that thing you know it's not like they had on the side of those days they might send them off to go make a trade with a stranger yeah yeah so it's not like they had a wagon with like free candy on the side (laughs) they're like we got free candy free black licorice this right this way (laughs) free salt water taffy (laughs) salt water taffy they brought like the the best chocolate yes Here's a, like, the best chocolate we have in our planet. <laughs> Joey, if later, if you want to completely terrorize and give a type of traumatic I do not. stress disorder to all of our listeners, you should insert the sound right here. Beep. beep this has been edited, edited for scariness. So these creatures <laughs> yeah. sounded like that to so- them. Yeah, that what they basically said over and over again was there was just a high pitched scream, similar to a newborn baby crying, or the scream of a rabbit or a jackrabbit like in pain. So Did scary. Did they see any injuries? Because they mentioned that they were gliding or something. They were gliding like they were willing themselves back like, and forth. There that was is so tele- eerie. Like telekinesis. Yeah. And their arms were just straight down. And again, I I don't know about their arms, but I. I because know that their could arms. Tell that their arms were longer, long like, enough to be passed down their to their knees. Can you stand were they like and penguins? Make Have you ever seen a, a a fire ant like standing up? I don't remember. Okay, they, they also compared it to backs. like a. It's like a. Yeah. Like it's 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 very trippy. Like That's imagine like, an ant imagine... standing up, but it's two sets of back legs are standing up. Like. Or like a prey mantis almost, which they also compare it to That's in point. That's so creepy. You have kind to of like a term for like a prey okay. mantis. So right now what I'm doing is slowly <laughs> side to side while I'm hunched over so my hands are over my knees. Yeah. And I'm just slowly moving side to side. Just imagine like a Like a lazy goalie in a football or soccer match. We'll put this yeah. on the Instagram. It'll be the new dance. The yes. TikToks. We will make a gif of this. That's so eerie. It's fucked up. So I would have vomited. <laughs> I would like. I used to get scared and throw up and stuff because I would get that scared. I would have just vomited, and then I'd be like, "Who? We gotta go home. <laughs> we gotta go." I vomited <laughs> on myself, guys. Ew! You don't want to be around me. Let's go get this cleaned up. We don't want. The, we don't want these things to see us. Like we're just vomit covered creatures. Just, yeah. Oh man, I totally biffed it. (laughs) We could have been friends with them, but I guess we have to go. That's your self-defense mechanism. Yeah. Vomiting. Yeah, if I ever got kidnapped, I'd just vomit on them. (laughs) Everywhere, projectile vomiting. And then my sour stomach, I'd just start farting, and they'd be like, what the fuck? (laughs) They like, kick me out. (laughs) We ducked a biohazard. They're like, Jesus fucking Christ, lady. (laughs) Get your shit together. (laughs) (laughs) Do we need to, like, take you to a 
pharmacy or something? Yeah, yeah. Do you need to go to a hospital? This doesn't smell right. This is not right. It's costing us money that we could have used for the ransom. Jeez. Yeah. We're going to have to get this car detailed. Yeah. <laughs> so what were the injuries? So, so yeah. What were they crying? I want to know why they were crying. Well, you got to wait till so, later. Spoiler alert. So this alert. is what we know so far. <laughs> this is what we know so far in the story. They came across the craft. They noticed the movement. They saw three beings, light skin. Also, arguably, really, 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 really skin tight, like unitards on. So, like, a, probably just straight up light gray skin. So, like a um, 20s hipster. Yes. Uh, something. 2020s. Um, like a, like a, <laughs> like a figure skater. Um, ah, okay. So, <laughs> so, and they saw them running or sliding slash gliding, like, back and forth through this giant four by nine foot hole. Right, so these are small Fucking creatures creepy. Like that are popping just popping in and out of view, just going back and forth, clearly in panic with this scream. And like the whole thing is, is about the scream is that, um, and they described it kind of like later post incident stuff. Is they couldn't hear anything besides them sitting next to each other talking to each other and stuff. Everything was silent except for them. Edited for your ears. It's like the sound piercing of these things that were in pain that were running back and forth this is hypnotizing like this is like who the fuck wouldn't just freeze up in that point and be like what the hell am i watching so 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 this scream began weighing on them they started to experience deep feelings of sadness for the creatures feelings of pity feelings of sorrow and while they were fixated on and watching these things sliding back and fourth, they couldn't bring themselves to look them in the eyes. Mm-mm. Good. Something was happening in their minds. In an interview decades later, Remy would tell Paola Harris, quote, Then we saw these pictures in our heads. I didn't know what the heck they were. I can remember what they are. I got pictures, but I don't know what they meant then, and I still don't know. They must have known we were there. End quote. As time passed, the boys began to have a soft argument. Jose wanted to get closer, to go towards them, to offer help, to go inside. Remy takes a hard stand, quote, Okay, if you don't know what the heck this is, I ain't going into it. There's no way. I want to go home. I don't want to go in. You'll have to go by yourself. I'm going home. I'll meet you at the ranch. Jose comes to his senses, and they agree to watch for just a little bit longer. Eventually, the light is starting to shift into late evening and begin to think about their parents. How worried they must be that they've been gone all day. It's starting to get dark outside, much later than the kids would normally get back. And so they decide to head home because it was getting late. They make the hike back to their horses and start heading back to the ranch. On the ride, Remy can't stop crying. He's trying to process process the terrible images and feelings of sadness that flooded his mind just moments earlier. At the same time, the pilot of a B-52 was coming into land. He was rerouted by the control tower at White Sands. They had lost communication with the area north of the Air Force Base. He was asked to do a favor and to fly over that area and investigate. Circling the area, he radios in, quote, Your tower's been hit by something. Then, 
Seeing smoke and fire nearby, he proceeds to fly over. There's an object on the ground, and quote, two little Indians on their horses. And that's it for part one. Part two will be released next Sunday. Please stay tuned for more. I mean, he was like, he was pretty close to the ground. He was just like flying over. He was close enough to see that there was something crashed there. And like something that's very important to keep in mind right now before we get into like the second episode or we cover this later uh, in the next part is um, the tower had been knocked out by something. The White Sands Tower, the super ultra top secret extra special unicorn blood level secret facility of White Sands, like bigger than Area 51 today. You know, like this is where the Manhattan Project like came to fruition. This is where the war was ended, right? So they did that, that on purpose. Well, that area didn't know what the fuck happened to their own radios. This is very important to keep in mind later. They don't know what the fuck happened to their radio tower. They had to have a pilot who was coming in to land in that area check to see why the hell they lost communication with that entire section of the military. Like, that, that section of, like, the uh, um, the facility, basically. Um, so they didn't know what the fuck happened. But when they sent in that pilot, that pilot said, your, t- your tower got knocked down. There's something that's crashed over here that's burning. And I see two little Indians on their horses riding away. So let's keep that in mind for the next part of the story. And that's my little my little teaser. <clears throat> what a teaser. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that that has been held so long without people knowing about it, without like a, a crazy news story besides people going and actually like interviewing people mm-hmm. to find this out and not just being like, oh, Roswell was first. Roswell yeah. was the only... The, the beginning of it, instead of yeah. being like, oh, no, Trinity was the beginning of everything. And that's something, um, thanks to Paolo Harris, um, Paolo Harris, like, really pioneered, documented, and chased down this story. Um, Jacques Vallée eventually put in his awesome Jacques Vallée twist into this and, like, really did his thing as one of the most, like, the, the most respected people in ufology. Um... They both like really teamed up between her notes and her documentation, her years of history with Jacques Vallée's like take on science and material studies and all these things. And they, they teamed up to make this book and it's, it's fucking awesome. But um, Stanton Friedman, so uh, to kind of backtrack a little bit, Stanton Friedman was one of the people who like broke quote unquote Roswell. So like Roswell happened 1947 and I believe July something, don't quote me on that, uh, in July of like maybe August 1947. Um, that's when Roswell happened. That's when the United States Army Air Force, which is what it was called at the time, uh, reported they had recovered a flying disc outside of Corona, New Mexico, right? And then very, very, very quickly after that release, we're like, actually, it was a weather balloon. Definitely wasn't a flying disc. We, nope, nope, definitely not aliens. Had nothing to do with that. Right. And this was only two months after or so after the term flying saucer, flying disc like came out. So this is like the start of the craze of UFOs. Right. But this is two years after this. So anyways, that happened more or less. World went on. Stanton Friedman, uh, again, one of the most respected people in ufology. Um, uh, he was covering Roswell back in, I, I believe, the 70s, or the 80s. Like he was digging into it. It was a case kind of like Trinity is right now at the time. 
he was digging into it. He had called and I believe it was Remy that he talked to very briefly because he had heard about while he was in uh, in Corona slash Roswell, New Mexico, just uh, 60, 70 miles away in San Antonio, New Mexico, he had heard about this other incident, the Trinity UFO crash. But he didn't have time because he was so stuck on the Roswell case because it was so fascinating to him. So there is kind of, through the timeline of events, um, there is kind of precedent for like, no, this story didn't just come out last year. Like there was actually points in time over the past 30, 40, 50 years where like there have been touch points with Remy and with Jose where it's like this has been consistently documented. It's just been kept on the back burner because Roswell has kind of overshadowed it. Well, we'll think about it though. Like these two people had talked about it before, Mm -hmm. you know, think maybe that there was people even before that Mm -hmm. that might have saw something in close to those deserts, you know, um, that could have been before that maybe something else happened because you know they were working on the atomic bomb at that time so Mm -hmm. looking into it so really something in the out you know outer worlds would come and look at it and be like Hmm. this was the first time in history where human mind and human decision could project themselves into the physical world that dramatically like, the point when we split the atom, when we crashed the atom, when we when we created the atomic bomb, and we could wipe out hundreds of thousands of people immediately, completely irradiate land, fucking within a, just a handful of years, like, starting into the Cold War, we would have enough nukes to wipe out every living thing that we were aware of in existence multiple times <laughs> with just within, like, literally 10 years. We could do that. Like, six times over, wipe out the entire planet. Down to the point where, like, microbes might not exist. Like, fuck everything up. Cockroaches would. (laughs) Hopefully. But, like... Mm. (laughs) But... But this was that moment. Like, this was that final moment where only a handful of people on the planet would soon have the choice to wipe everything out. And so if you were some intergalactic neighbors... You would probably go pay attention to that. Like, uh, before that, it was bang, 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 shooting shit, shooting cannons. Again, it was fire and gas. It was just blowing shit up, right? Um, but now it's like, oh, you might you might fuck everything up. Everybody might be gone. <laughs> yeah. Like, the earth, too. If you were curious about, the like... foliage. Yeah, like, um... The foliage. It's killing me what, what famous ufologist said this. Somebody please correct me in the email haters at blackcat.report, but um, who the fuck was it that said it's basically like one day you walk outside and you see that the ants are playing with matches. Oh, yeah. Like, it's such a good where it's just like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> when did this happen? <laughs> it's scary. So, in terms of significance, like, that's a pretty big moment. It's the beginning of a new world. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like even right now, I I was just telling Joey the other day, like, it is pretty crazy that someone holds the key to, um... The end of the world. To the end of the world. Like, some random person that we don't know has the key for it, and we're all just, like, cool with that, you know? Like, Like, this person can go crazy for whatever reason, or someone can steal that key, or whatever, and we're all okay with that. And 
the fact that no one really talks about it or that we don't have a say in it, mm-hmm. especially yeah. since we pay taxes all over the world, you know? We're just okay yeah, with but it. but I mean, <laughs> with people who would run for that title, I don't know how much I would trust them. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm plotting that in the back. <laughs> yes. Like, they're going to make themselves look really good, but, like, the kind of person that wants to be in charge of that is, like, sketchy to me. Could you imagine if Trump was not running for president, but to, like, be in charge of, like, the nuclear, like... Oh, God. <laughs> well, doesn't like, the... He kind of was, but he kind of wasn't well, at the I mean, same time. <laughs> there's always, a like, a third or a fourth, I think, person that controls. And I think in the... Was it the 80s? There was a... a there was almost a nuclear scare with the russians yeah bombing us but one general like broke rank and said i'm not gonna yeah be it was the a cause. russian yeah it was a russian general who yeah. was just like i'm not no, gonna be the I cause can't do this. yeah be the cause of the world ending pretty much yeah and i mean we would have been the cause because we were provoking them but like he's like i don't want to make the decision to kill pretty much Everyone. the world yeah yeah, yeah. which is crazy like, because he probably could have gotten shot afterwards yeah. And the same for whoever, if someone had done the U.S., if they had, like, gone against it, they would have been dead, too. Yeah. So. I mean, there has to be a treaty going on because there was a lot of sightings of UFOs back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and, um, and then it kind of, like, slowed down after there was some sort of treaty that we weren't going to use the nuclear bomb anymore. So I feel like the, their whole thing was, like, to come down here talk to them and be like hey can we not do this because this is gonna affect so and so and so in the future and blah 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 because i mean there hasn't been that many sightings since then and it's kind of like maybe they come once in a while just to check in say hi see how everything's going but back then there were like so many sightings you know well well you think about it though like a lot they probably didn't hear about sightings back then you know, a lot of it's more documented. It's documented and brought out later. And like, so if you yeah, think about but it, but it was they... because they didn't have the technology that we have now to put it out late, like right uh, well, as it's happening. Well, you can see a bunch nowadays... of videos though. Huh? Like nowadays, you see a bunch of videos online, and you could be like, "Oh, cool, that's a sighting." But people don't make as a big deal. Like you were saying earlier, people don't make a huge deal of it enough anymore because it's kind of gotten a little numb. We've kind of gotten a little numb to it because everyone's like, "Okay, I'm pretty sure that there's." aliens out there and the government's already started saying like hey we're gonna start we're gonna start releasing this stuff so people are used to it i feel like movies too i feel like it's also gone like hand in hand where it's like accessibility to publishing uh sightings and news and stuff has also gone hand in hand with um promoting uh fakes you know with like people like cgi becoming more like prevalent with people being able to like doctor photos mm-hmm. people deep like fakes and stuff like that. yeah Ooh. deep fakes and just like creating so these like phony sightings and shit so it's yeah. like you know yeah with the accessibility and the ability for everybody to start publishing their sightings so has the scrutiny of if it's legitimate or not and the giant the question mark like the gray area has gotten wider if that makes sense yeah mm-hmm. it's just like uh mm. I mean, it's easy to tell when only six people on the planet have cameras. Like, you know. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Damn, this must be legit, you know? <laughs> and there's no green and screen. Film. And yeah. film. Yeah. That's very hard to document. Yeah. So. yeah. And, like, um, and we'll kind of touch a little bit on this later uh, in the in the next uh, next part. But um, 
at least where I'm currently at with UFOs, uh, UAPs, whatever, is um, signature management, right? And signals management and on actually... Uh, so a quick way to understand this, um, at least in the, the far off extent that I'm going to with it, is... Um, Okay, what if you didn't have to, if you were going to fly a plane in over a country, super secret spy plane, right? Uh, all right, we already got radar figured out at this point in time. We can make a massive fucking jet look like the size of a goddamn pigeon. Sure, that pigeon's 35,000 feet up in the sky. We're not going to question that, but the point is very, very tiny radar signature. Fine. What if instead of taking out all of the cameras that would see you coming in instead of having to bomb all these places or you know super secret spy style like turn them off one by one as you slowly creep in what if just the vehicle itself what if the vehicle itself made it difficult if not impossible to be recorded what if it just like bigfoot <laughs> what if it made itself when it was being recorded blurry and difficult to read two cameras then you wouldn't have to worry about knowing where every camera is it would automatically handle its own signature its own appearance around things frankly you know you know hey if somebody wants to pay me for that patent go for it but like you know like this makes sense in terms of like a next step of like a hundred years of military technology from now it'd be super easy well that's what ghosts you know? do when you take a picture of ghosts it's all like Blurry mm -hmm. bastards. Unless you don't see them, and then you take the photo, and then they turn up later, and like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> shit. That's the difference of being wanted to be seen and wanted not to be seen. Just half pulling so. down its pants in the background in the bathroom, like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> or also, like, when it comes to, like, mosquitoes or stuff that fly really fast. Yeah. You know, when you take a picture, unless if you... The frame rate to capture something like that has to be, like, correct to the Perfect. point. Yeah. So maybe when someone's photographing these things or whatever, you know, their frame rate, it's not as advanced as yeah, the yeah. technology. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's what's always like blurry and stuff. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I just see like, I see a lot of the things that piss us off about like UFOs and videos and photographs and stuff. So first off, when we were on like analog photography, of videos and UFOs, we were getting clearer images. We moved to digital everything and we're getting increasingly blurrier images. Um, this tells me like a signal signature, like appearance management is taking place. It's very hard to fuck up <laughs> and make blurry an analog medium, you know? Uh, at least in the sense of uh, video and photography. It's very hard to fuck that up. Basically, the person operating the machine has to fuck that up, right? Um, digital, that shit can be pixelated. That shit can, like, so many different things can go in and, like, interfere with that, right? Um, plus, you just kind of expose yourself to any number of different radio waves and things that can come in that can fuck with that. If you think about it too, it's like back then the instruments that were used, the video cameras, the photographs were done by select people that actually had to have a lot of knowledge yeah. to be able to use that equipment and to be able to take the right picture. Nowadays, any old person could have a cell phone that could be unfocused. I mean, I'm a, I take terrible photos 
and they get blurry. I can just look at somebody in a f and be like, oh, cool, it's a cool photo, and then take the photo and it like focus it perfectly. And when I take it, it gets blurry. So like, I'm convinced ninety percent, ninety percent, at least ninety percent of the images of UFOs and videos of UFOs on the internet are legitimate. The problem is, is that they were taken on an Android phone and sent to somebody with an iPhone. Oh, okay. <laughs> <There we go. laughs> that's so the only the reason Android, why we have this. So issue. the Android phone screwed it up, and the iPhone was like, "I can do my best to make this work, but I don't know." You God know? damn it! <laughs> yeah. But, Anyways. <laughs> so yeah. Um, also, you can't really photograph sound waves, you know, vibrations, and I feel like a lot of this, this um this uh this ufos you know they're what oh he said phenomena and then i said dun, dun, da, da, da. <laughs> hear more of the phenomena next week on our part two of trinity crash you can find us always on blackcat.report online remember to like and subscribe follow us on instagram and we'll see you on the other side If you don't want to hear about current events, just fast forward about 15 seconds from now. Fuck the overturning of Roe versus Wade. That is just fucking bullshit. Completely trying to strip women of their rights. And not just women, anyone with a womb. It's just lucky that in North Carolina it is still legal. If anyone needs to go camping in North Carolina, Contact us at contact at blackcat.report. That's contact at blackcat.report.